Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. So glad uh, to be able to have the opportunity to share with you guys uh, this morning. As uh, Pastor Aaron said, uh, Pastor Larry, he's actually preaching over at the Goose Creek campus. This will be his first time to actually share over there. And uh, so it's great. I'm grateful for the opportunity uh, to get to share with you guys here this morning. So as you see from the trailer there, we've been in our series, Famous Last Words, where we've been focusing on the, the words that Jesus spoke to his disciples in this final week of his life before he was about to be uh, crucified and endure all of those things uh, that, that were coming up. And so we, we're taking a kind of a, a, just a, a snapshot picture of all of, these, all of these different phrases and all these different things that he thought that, hey, in, in my final week here with you, I've had three and a half years, but in my final week here with you, I'm going to focus on teaching these things. And so that's where we're coming from here in, in, in this series. And today we find ourselves in the next chapter of John, and that's John chapter 16. So if you turn to your Bibles there, John chapter 16, uh, if you remember last week we were in the previous chapter and we, we were focusing on Jesus' teaching on the, uh, the vine. And we talked about if you have, uh, abide in the vine. And we talked about the pruning process that the, that the gardener or the God the Father will go through as he's pruning us and getting us ready so that we might be fruitful. We'll continue that uh, this morning. If you'd like to, you can stand with me this morning as we read uh, God's word. So John chapter... 16, where I'm going to be reading from uh, verses 5 down to 7. He says, I didn't say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I go away to the one who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? Yet because I have said these things to you, you are filled with sorrow. I assure you that it is better for you that I go away. If I don't go away, the companion or advocate won't come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. This morning, we're just going to talk about it is better. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, we thank you so much, Lord, for who you are, God, your nature, the, the heart that you have for us, God, that you're, you're the type of father that's not willing to let us just have what is good, but you seek to give us what is better. God, I ask this morning, Lord, that we would have open hands, Lord, open hearts, open minds, God, that we wouldn't uh, hold on to or cling to what is good, but, Lord, we would allow you to remove what is good from us so that we might have what is better. Lord, be with us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It is better. It's kind of a crazy thought to think about that, uh, something being better and uh, uh, something to maybe kind of make us realize something, uh, uh, how we might feel if we were going to receive something better is, is any of you ever go, you're going to the the airport and you're going to go and check in and board a flight. 
Uh, most of my flying uh, in the re- recent couple of years has always been with a group of uh, 15 to 30 very respectful, kind, uh, uh, obedient teenagers. They're never fussing. They're never complaining. It's never early in the morning that we go to the airport. And so by the time I get to the desk, I'm always super happy. But I can only imagine in my, in my, in my mind, and if, if I was to get to that counter in that moment and to go check in and they'd be like, Oh, we're so glad that you're here. Hey, we have some great news. Today's your lucky day. We have a better seat for you. Like, wait a minute, a better seat? You mean I don't have to sit with them? You know, <laughs> with, the, with the cramped up legs and all of that kind of thing? You mean I can sit in a better seat? Or maybe some of you, maybe you're scared of flying and so a better seat on an airplane is still a horrible thought to you, and so maybe this would sound better. Maybe, maybe you're into sports, and, and, and you're like me, and you go, you watch your favorite sporting team, and, and I, I did this on Thanksgiving. I went to watch uh, my beloved Dallas Cowboys. It was a horrible game, <laughs> but it was an awesome experience. It was an awesome experience, and I can only imagine going through those turnstiles and hearing that guy say, well, Mr. Lee, we've been waiting on you. We have a better seat for you. Oh, the, 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 the excitement, the joy, the, the emotion that would begin to start. I mean, that's a huge stadium. And my seats were, no kidding, like three rows from the very top. Still, still an incredible time, but I could have used a better seat. And I mean, I, I, in that moment, I don't know what I might do. I might yell. I might jump. I might clap my hands. I might shout. I don't know exactly what it is that I might do if I was to get that better seat, but I'm pretty sure I know what I would not do. I'm pretty sure I would not tell them, no thanks, I prefer to keep what I have instead of what is better. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't do that. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't lament and pout and moan and pray to get back what I had to give up for what was better. And I'm pretty sure I wouldn't sit in that seat that was better and wonder and research and consider how my experience might be if I didn't get what was better and instead had what was good enough. You see, the disciples must have seen it a shock to hear Jesus say, it is better for you that I go away. It is better, as awesome as it must have been to have walked with Jesus, to witness the miracles, to see him raise Lazarus from the dead, to see the the leper healed, to to witness all of these different things, the the teachings that were just so profound that it wowed everyone that was around him. To witness and be all of those things must have been incredible, but that man said that it was better for us that he go away. It was better because then he would send the counselor, the spirit of truth, and it would be good or sometimes it's translated uh, expedient, profitable, or advantageous for us. So this morning we're just going to look at why is it better? Why is it better? And we're just going to take a practical look at maybe some of the things that uh, the Holy Spirit does for us. We see with the, Jesus and his disciples, one of the first interactions that they, that they had was when he called them or in their, their calling. 
While Jesus was walking the face of this earth, he went up to each one of them face to face, mano a mano, eyeball to eyeball, and he called and he asked them and he invited them on this life-changing journey with him. We read about it in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 uh, through 20. As, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Now, as awesome as it would be to have Jesus show up at our work, at our school, or in our home, and look us eye to eye, the physical, literal Jesus, and, and, and invite us into this life-changing relationship with him. Uh, you see, Jesus only, had, he only invited 12. I mean, that, so that presents a problem for the some 7 billion people on the face of this planet. It's going to be maybe a little bit difficult for Jesus to get to each and every one of them as he's confined to this body. John chapter 16, verse 8, just the very next verse uh, that, uh, from the scripture that we read earlier, says, when he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me. So this calling, you see, when, when we are called to be with Christ, see, the, the, the world thinks that that, that, that they are judging the church and they're looking at us and they're, they're determining if we're doing what we say we're going to do and all of these things. They're looking for the hypocrisy, but really it's, it's the church that's going to judge the world. You see, this word conviction, it said the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he's going to convict the world or he's going to uh, convince them, prove them wrong about sin and judgment and, and righteousness. And so this, this word conviction kind of has some, some legal terms to it. It's a, a, a legal type word. And so you almost get this scene uh, of a courtroom where uh, we, the believers, we're the, the witnesses and this sinner is in the, the judgment seat and the, the, the Holy Spirit here, he's, he, he's convicting them or he, uh, the, the passing judgment on them. But see, the difference in this type of conviction, the difference in this type of, of judgment is we're, we're not wanting to condemn them or to send them to hell in, the, in this sense, but the purpose of conviction of the Holy Spirit in our life is to bring about salvation. You see, we have to know that we are wrong. We have to know that we are in sin before we ever ha- realize that we need a Savior or that we need Christ. You see, the, the thing is, is, we meet so many people that are just indifferent to Christianity. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's, that's, that's a great thing. That's cool. You guys do, do your, your church thing, do your Christian thing, but I don't, I don't really need that. I don't have any need for that in my life. I'm perfectly fine without him. But you see, the Holy Spirit works to convict us of our great sinfulness. We're to, to convict our hearts, convict our minds. And when a person realizes that their life is being eaten away by this insidious disease called sin, once you realize that, you no longer have to drag or to, to make that person come to the doctor. They realize, wow, this thing is really eating away at me and I must get help. I need the cure. In verse number nine, there talks about uh, convicting of sin, really the, the sin he's talking about there is the refusal to believe. The refusal to believe, that the, the unbelief uh, condemns that lost sinner. 
A person can clean up their act. They can change their deeds. They can, they can uh, be, do some good works on their own, but yet they can still be lost and go to hell. But the cross, you see, the cross is that, that symbol of, of God's great care for us. It's the symbol that the crisis came and that he's paid that penalty for our sin and that he's risen from the dead. And nothing proves the evil of the heart. Nothing proves the, the sourness, the, 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 the unrighteousness of our heart, like the refusal to believe in that type of love, the refusal to receive that type of grace. See, the unbelief, it's not so much a problem with our intellect. It's not so much a, a problem with our lack of knowledge, but instead it's, it's of the will. It's a, it's a hardening of our heart. In Hebrews chapter 3, it says, Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you in an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. See, this hardening of the heart, this rejection of God's grace. You see, it's that sin, the sin of unbelief, which is in reality the worst and the the result of all the other sin. See, it's, it's not Pilate with the blood of Jesus on his hands. It's not that great sin as we would classify it. It's not the brutal killer behind bars. It's not the, the, the heathen who is uh, uh, running around and practicing all sorts of types of immorality. Those are all just symptoms of unbelief. You see, if you hear this message of love and grace this morning, and you refuse the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the love of Jesus that he died for you, then unfortunately you remain under condemnation and judgment. It says, this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Now this conviction, this conviction that we're talking about doesn't just call us. It's not just, it is that first initial step into uh, receiving or, uh, or, or Uh, joining in this life-changing relationship with Jesus, but it doesn't stop there. This conviction of the Holy Spirit is what what continues to change us. John chapter 17, verse 4, Jesus is speaking still, and he says, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. This is Jesus talking to the Father, and he's he's talking about this, this work that God had sent him to do. Now, this is before he has been crucified. He hadn't yet been crucified yet. This work that he came to do, it, it could have offered his life. He could have been crucified at, at any point that he was walking. He's, however, he said, my time is not yet. He needed to prepare his disciples to build the kingdom. He was still had work to do. He had to, to change them, to, to compi- co- uh, continue to, to transform them into his very image. See, to change the disciples, he challenged them. He taught them. He corrected them. But he only had 12. I mean, could you imagine the classroom 
Let's not even consider everyone who claims uh, uh, Christ as Lord, but even if it was just the, 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 the 66 million Assembly of God adherents, even if it was just them, it would take 660 of those big stadiums that the Cowboys play in that I was talking about, 660 of them. I think that would be hard for us to get some one-on-one interaction with our instructor, with our teacher. It is better that he goes away so that the Spirit might come and change us. You see, through conviction, he teaches us. He teaches us how to behave, how to act, what types of deeds are are, uh, supposed to be in the kingdom of God. The conviction is that you can think of it as that gut feeling And we know that we realize that our actions are are contrary to what God wants us to do, what God uh, demands of us, his standard of holiness. It's a prompting from God that, hey, the direction I'm going in isn't the direction I need to go in, and I need to make a course correction. See, maybe, uh, I'm sure you've probably heard the the fact that that Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but to, to save it. And the thing is, is we often confuse these two C words, condemn and convict. We get these two things kind of confused. And, and maybe this uh, will kind of help you understand it a little bit better. Just imagine, if you will, uh, a GPS, okay? And your destination that you put into this GPS is, is heaven, to be with Christ, like we talked about last week, to abide in Christ. That's our, that's our destination, to be transformed into his likeness and his image. And let's say this, the scriptures, uh, the, God's holy word is the directions that he's giving us to get there. We'll say that GPS, we plug all those in and it gives us the route and we are headed down our way. But we make a, maybe we make a wrong turn or we miss our turn. See, conviction would be like if that GPS was to say, rerouting, rerouting. And what's it going to do? It's going to tell you, hey, at the next, at the next stoplight, turn it right, and it's going to give you the directions to get back on the right path. Now, granted, you still have to take that action to get back on the right path, but it's going to give you a way to get back to where you need to be so that you ultimately still reach the destination that you intended when you set out on your journey. That's conviction. That's good. That's what the Holy Spirit does to us. Now, condemnation. This would be what it would be like if, if it was condemnation. The same destination, the same directions to get there. We miss that same turn. But instead of rerouting, rerouting, we get the, hey, dummy, I knew you couldn't make it there anyway. I knew you'd never get there. You missed your turn. You done messed up. You know what? In fact, you're just wasting your time. You should probably turn around and go back home. Now, let's think about that. If that was our GPS, if my GPS did that, I would probably litter. I would throw that thing right out the window. (laughs) Right? But the reality is, is there's some of us in this room that need to take those thoughts that have been planted in us by our flesh or maybe by the people around us that you're not going to make it, that you're not good enough, and you need to throw them right out right now. The Holy Spirit's going to come and convict you. You Yeah, that's good. He's going to come and convict you. You still have to take action to get back on track, but you can do it. It's going to be all right. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to mess up. Our old passions are going to creep up inside of us 
Our passions are going to prompt us to live for our present now gratification instead of looking toward the future. But if I listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, if I listen to that and he brings that correction to my course, I still will arrive at my destination. I will still be in Christ. I will still be transformed into his likeness. It's going to be okay. See, the last thing we want to talk about here this morning, and we're going to have some extra time to pray. The last thing that was better for us, if, if Jesus went away, if the literal physical Jesus was, was no longer with us, and instead the Holy Spirit was with us, that would be the gifts, gifts of the Spirit. See, John chapter 16, verse 23, so just, just down from where we started. It says, in that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Now, now he, this, is, this isn't the first time that Jesus has said this in these final last words. And in fact, if you flip back just a couple of chapters, he says that exact same line, but right before it he says something else. So go to John chapter 14. Starting in verse 12, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. He said, the, great, the works that I do, and even greater, even better, even better works than these will he do. That's crazy to think about. You see, Jesus, the literal physical Jesus, the Son of God, God in flesh, was walking the face of this earth, and he was healing the sick. He was raising dead people to life. He, was, uh, he knew the exact route that he needed to take to get to his destination where he would meet people that needed him. And he, was, and he had the words that would cut right, straight through the pleasantries, right to their hurt and their need. And we see all of these things over and over and over in Scripture. And yet Jesus, that very man, says, it's better that I go because you're going to do even better things. He says, you, you, the one who just a couple of seconds ago, was worried about the condemnation, about your failures and your mistakes and the striving that you go throughout in your life. You, that same person, through the power of the Holy Spirit in you, are going to do greater things than Jesus Christ himself. Some people might say, man, what is better than God with us? And I say God in us. <laughs> Jesus' final instructions to his disciples were to go and to wait until they received the power of the Holy Spirit. We read about this in Acts chapter 2, that they received this power in an incredible way with a, a mighty rushing wind and tongues of fire and speaking in unknown languages as the Spirit gave them the ability. This is, we read about this stuff. And listen, in the course of these things that we're talking about, that the, the, the Spirit helps us do, that the Spirit calls us, I think we understand that. 
that the Spirit is in us and he's convicting us and he's changing us into the image of God. I think that we, we get that and we understand that, but for some reason, I think uh, we, we misunderstand and we misinterpret that, that God is looking for a naturally supernatural church. That it's time that we return back to that, that we re- revive and we refresh that desire in us. You know, I look forward to the day when I walk up to a stranger and I don't say, hey, stranger, do you know Jesus? But instead, I rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, the living God, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead to give me a word that I can speak to them that, won't, that will prove that Jesus knows them. If I can prove to them, if I can show them by God, the God that is inside of me, that Jesus knows them, it's no longer a stretch for them to want to know Jesus. It's better that he goes. It's better that he goes so that he might send the comforter, the advocate, the spirit. As we close this morning, and I know it's early. We're going to have some extended time of prayer. I believe God wants to do some incredible things in here this morning. And I know in here in this group of people, there's people at each one of these different stages that we're talking about here. That first one, that, that calling. There's some of you that th- this morning, you even being here is the Holy Spirit calling or drawing you into this life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says that no one comes to the Father unless he's drawn by the Spirit. That desire, that thing welling up inside of you is the work of the Spirit, the salvation, the change. That is a work of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And even right now as you're sitting in your seats, right where you are, just surrender to what the Holy Spirit is doing inside of you. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to come up front. You don't have to do any of that stuff. Just a simple, God, I recognize what you're doing inside of me. I recognize that I'm a sinner, that I've fallen short of the glory of God. You know what I give? I want to give you my life. I want to live for you. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to get off track, but I'm going to listen to your Holy Spirit to correct my course to get me back to you. And we believe that you do that even right now, that the Holy Spirit now chooses to live inside of you. Live inside of you. To walk with you. To talk with you. To change you. To make you change the world. There's many of you in here that you've already been called. You've already accepted that call. You've surrendered your life. And and Jesus is the Lord of your life. and, And you're in that changing process. You're you're talking with him throughout the day. You're reading your scriptures that the word is washing and renewing your mind day after day after day. And that is awesome. That's incredible. No matter where you're at, no matter where you're at currently with the work of the Holy Spirit inside of you, I think we can all say that no matter what I'm doing now, no matter how full of the spirit, no matter how spirit empowered, whatever phrase you want to tag to it, I desire more. I desire more. I desire to have that woman at the well encounter like Jesus did. 
You get what I'm saying? How many women at the well do you come across at your work, at your school, in Walmart, in Starbucks, at Chick-fil-A, wherever? How many of them do you come in contact with? If Jesus Christ, the spirit of him, is living inside of you, he can tell you the words to use just like we read that he did. He wasn't worried about the thirstiness. He wasn't worried about the water. He wanted to get to her hurt, her pain. And she left and said, come meet a man who told me everything I've ever known. He's known me. They can give you the words to where you can speak so that they know that Jesus, the, the God who created everything, the heavens and the earth, knows them. I think we can all say that we would love these greater gifts, these greater works to be able to walk into a hospital room or walk into our, our child's room when they're sick and, and lay hands on them and say, yeah, they're healed. That's what I expected to happen. And the reality is, is that's what we should expect to happen. That's what God promised would happen. this morning as our altar workers are going to make their way down here. We're going to believe this morning. We're going to believe this morning for the supernatural. It's not supposed to be supernatural. It's not supposed to be crazy. It's supposed to be natural. You have the the living God inside of you. The one who spoke and created everything that you see, everything that you hear, everything that you can taste or touch or smell. That, That is living inside of you. We believe that the initial sign of this, uh, uh, this indwelling of the Holy Spirit, this power of the Holy Spirit is by the physical evidence of speaking in an unknown language. It sounds crazy, but it also sounds crazy that the God of the universe is living inside of you. And he's going he's gonna to give you these, this language, these words, these sounds that maybe you don't recognize or maybe you don't know about. And, and we just, by faith, you just begin to speak them out. And these people down here, they're going to pray for you. I believe that there are many different gifts represented across this congregation. And some of you guys are going to have these gifts uh, uh, awakened and made alive inside of you. And he says, we've given everything that we need to the body. I believe there's gifts of healing. There's gifts of prophecy. There's words of wisdom that many of you guys, you already have it inside of you. It just needs to be awakened. So I'm going to pray. The band's going to play. And I say, if you want an encounter... Uh, uh, you're just in your heart you say God I don't know what you have for me but I want whatever it is he's a good father he gives us good gifts and that's what we're going to seek and we're going we're gonna to pray for here this morning if everybody stand with me let's pray God we love you Lord we thank you God that you told us in your word that we believe is true that you're a good father Lord and that we can ask anything in your name, Lord, and that we could receive it, God. Lord, that we ask, Lord, that, that, that this morning, Lord, you would be a distributor, God, of your gifts, Lord, not so that we can boast, not so that we can point to ourselves and say, look at God inside of me, but so that we can point to you, so that we can bring glory to you, God. We need you. Lord, we recognize, God, 
Lord, that, that, that you, we are going to make mistakes, Lord, and that there's course corrections that we need to take, God. Lord, I ask Lord, that right now, Lord, that you would build up our faith, that you would build our faith, God. Lord, let us not listen to the condemnation and, and, the, and the negativity that would enter our mind that would say that you're not worthy or you, you, can, you can't receive this. Lord, that we would be full of faith, God, full of faith that with you all things are possible. Lord, we pray for an awakening here this morning, God. Awaken our hearts to your love. Awaken our hearts to your grace. Awaken our hearts to your mercy, Lord. Give us, Lord, the tools that we would need, Lord, so that we might change the world. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord. Do your works amongst us this morning. Thanks for listening to this weekly podcast. Check out faithishere.org for podcasts and videos of our previous messages.